Hi there, listener. Welcome in. This is Strange Stories from Odd Folks. That's folks with an X. This episode story is titled Werewolf Wishes, a tale by Lee Hume. Content warnings for this episode are mild violence, spirits, transphobia. And with that, why don't we begin? One. It was a dark and stormy night. Samilla crept through the empty town, straining her ears for any sound, her gun following her torch, beam bouncing back against the rain that pelted heavily across the road. The shadow in the distance ran forwards and she sprinted after it, feet slapping on the wet tarmac, splashing pellets of water in every direction soaking her already wet jeans further. The crack of thunder was chased by a sheet of lightning, illuminating the running figure as it turned a corner. She slowed as she reached an alley between two buildings, a laugh coming from the far side as she slowed her pace and moved onwards, breath catching in her chest. Turning at the far end, She saw a chain-link fence enclosure and crept closer, squinting as the torch began to reveal the horrors within. Food's up to her face! Samila let out a shriek at her mum's shout and dropped the controller, heart hammering as her character got viciously torn apart and eaten. She took a number of very deep breaths before shouting back and turning off the console and TV. After food was too late to play more. She always had nightmares if she played scary games after dark. Besides, it was Halloween tomorrow and she had a costume to finish for school. One that would almost undoubtedly get her sent home by the humorless bigot of a headmaster. She glanced at her sewing kit and the Harley Quinn cropped up and skirt, folded and waited for Hemming, and made her way downstairs to the kitchen. Set the table, love. I'll dish up. Her mum smiled. How's the costume going? Samila set out two places, just her and her mum these days, and shrugged. Almost done? But I'm still pretty sure I'll get in trouble. School still can't get my name right on stuff. My uniform's only okay because they let girls wear pants. And I still have to use the wrong bathroom if I need to go. I just try not to. Samila's voice trailed off wearily. Maybe I should just wear something else, Mum. Fatima put down the bolognese dish and took her daughter's hand. You wear whatever you like, love. If it's Harley you want, then Harley you get. If you change your mind, then you wear something else. Not everything needs to be a battle, but I'm on your side, whatever you want. Maybe I'll check out the werewolf costume from last year. That's gender neutral. They can't possibly complain about it. Fatima smiled. I'll love you whether you're a psychotic criminal or a giant hairy beast. I promise. Even though Dad didn't, Samila said softly. Fatima came round the table to hug her daughter. Even though he isn't able to yet, You'll never lose me, I promise. 
Samila hugged her mother around her comfortably squishable waist and let go. After covering her bolognese with cheese, she wolfed it down, followed it with some angel cake, and sprinted upstairs to bring the werewolf costume out of the very back of her closet. It was a little battered, but when she tried it on, it fit fine. The blockers meant she hadn't grown much. Nothing had developed further than it had done the year before. All the costume really needed was some polishing up. Sharpen the claws and fangs, buff the slight scratch on one eye. The fur matting was still sewn on tightly. She'd done a good job of that, she mused. Holly could wait for another year, perhaps. This costume hid all of her, unless she pulled back the head. And maybe that's what she really needed right now. She removed the costume and hung it up, remembering last year, before Dad had finally given up on her and left. Too much for him, she'd heard him saying to her mum, his son a daughter, and now the doctor giving him stuff to keep him from puberty while he waited for some cracks to support his delusions. And here was his own mother encouraging him to be a girl. So he'd left, and Samila hadn't heard anything more from him. Fatima told her he at least sent money every month, but she suspected that was to keep him having to deal with custody issues. I don't want anything to do with my kid unless I can force her to be the wrong gender. Wasn't the sort of look he'd be happy presenting. Samila pushed him out of her head and settled into a book until it was time for sleep. Halloween dawned foggy and cold. But the sun promised to shine through, and warm weather was not what Samila wanted for her werewolf costume anyway. Her mum was already off to work. She spent three days a week as a paralegal, sometimes more when there was a big case going, but had left lunch and a note with a drawing of a slobbering werewolf carrying a bleeding arm in its mouth. Samila grinned and pulled her werewolf head down as she left the house. Hey, kid! Samila stopped and tilted her head to one side, looking very much like a dog as the werewolf's ears flapped. One of the few disadvantages to this costume was muffled hearing. Kid! Werewolf! Come here! The voice emerged from an alley, and Samila had a momentary flashback to her game, then pushed it aside. Hey, you okay in there? Hey, yeah, but I need a hand. You got a sec. Samila hesitated. Being late for school was not a good way to help them accept her. But if whoever this was really did need help, she couldn't just walk away. And if it was a creep, then she could use her werewolf claws on him and run. She entered the alley, not dark like her game, just a little gloomy with the fog. Where are you at? I can't see you. Hang on. She pulled back her wolf head, peripheral vision being another of the minor problems, and saw the man immediately. He was curled up against the wall behind a large dumpster full of unpleasant smells. His torn flat cap concealed his face in the gloom, and his clothing was held together by dirt. Samila felt a sudden, strong pang of sympathy for him, and moved closer. 
As she approached, he looked up and moved, lightning fast, to grab her ankle, pulling her to the floor. The suit protected most of Samila from damage, but the jolt stunned her, and she gazed at the man, stupefied, his dimly lit face creased with an emotion she couldn't quite place. When she recovered enough, she opened her mouth to scream. Hush, go, wait. I'm sorry, but you need this. Promise you. Take this and you can be free to be your real self, whoever that is. Samila, brain still trying to turn itself back upright after its jolt, reached out to take the package the man was offering. He smiled at her as she took it, and his grimy, unclear face suddenly lit from within with radiance before he returned to his spot against the wall. Go on now, he told her. Get to school. But remember, it only works once, and it's Trixie. Samila, now in something of a fog, slowly got to her feet, stuffing the brown paper-wrapped object into her bag and setting those feet back towards school. Forgetting to pull the werewolf head back up over her face. She reached the school gates and trotted through, just as the bell rang to call everyone to class. From her left came a sudden burst of raucous laughter, one voice quickly joined by another, then another. Squeaky weird trans! female voice squealed gleefully. Samila froze solid for a moment, face beginning to burn. She reached back and pulled the head over her face successfully fighting it on before the tears started. An advantage of the costume, she told herself as she made her way to the door inside. Invisible tears. Hey, Fika trans! The fuck are you? As she reached the door, the peripheral vision failed her again, and a foot stuck out and tripped her. Hands out, she crashed down. Two claws snapped in a crack between the flagstones, and her snout bumped the floor, pushing painfully back into her face. Oh no, they went off, we fall over. She pushed herself tearfully over onto her side and felt a kick at her midsection. This was new, she had time to think, as another kick connected, the padding of the costume keeping her relatively safe for now. They'd never stooped to violence before. She knew what had been in the newspapers her mum had sobbed over, this and every weekend. She knew the stories were why. Another kick connected and she screamed, but not in pain. Her frustration and grief billowed over into a desire born out of terror and desperation. I wish I was a fucking werewolf. They wouldn't dare. Suddenly, Samila was wrapped with a full body pain. Now she screamed as the costume began to fuse itself to her skin, her clothes tearing and falling off as her newly growing follicles, tiny, burning pinpricks of pain, met the matted pads of sewn-on fur and grew into a shaggy pelt. Samila screamed again as her nails split, fused with the pads of her hands and grew into the claws. Her scream was cut off as her face lengthened, Bones cracking and reforming as it grew into the snouted shape she wore over her head, ears extending with a searing, pulling pain. 
sharpening into points that scythed through her gums and lips and multiplying to fill her entire mouth. The chains completed, panting through the echo of pain. Samila rolled over onto her trunk, slammed the ground with her new paws and thrust herself to her feet, gnarling. Drool leaped from her mouth in a long string as angry adrenaline and a new level of strength shot through her and her eyes adjusted to the light picking out the blue and grey figures, suddenly backing off. Samila raised her paws in front of her face, awed, and poked herself hard with one. It hurt. It bled. So, not a dream. She remembered the alley. The man. It's Trixie, he'd said, without explaining what it was or how it worked. But it only worked once. Samila threw back her head and howled, laughing with a series of sharp barks as her tormentors ran away. She smelled their fear. Her doors and windows open and more fear wafted deliciously out towards her. He could take her revenge. Samila grinned, teeth burying themselves in a feral growl snarled again at the scared meat things. I could do it, she told herself, but I'm still me. She backed up towards the gate, hearing the sound of sirens approaching. Once she reached the fence, she whirled and bounded away, automatically falling to four paws as she sought the fastest way, sniffing the air for fields, trees, and following her nose as fast as she could to find them. Reaching a clearing in a woods some miles away, Samila stopped, panting and sweating, and collapsed. Fears assailed her now the adrenaline was fading. She was a whip. Did that mean she could change back to human? Was she cursed to change with the moon? The moon wasn't out now after all. What would she do if she was stuck this way? What would her mother do? She accepted a trans child, and they seemed almost as mythical as werewolves at times, Samila knew. Would her daughter be a werewolf? Or would she even explain it, if she even turned back again? She awkwardly pulled the pack she was somehow still wearing off her back, paced a circle in the leaves, finally wearing herself out and curling up into a bristling ball. She'd wanted transformation, renewal, rebirth, but not like this. The large wolf twitched in its sleep and slowly turned back into a human who curled up further as the absence of fur left her cold. She awoke at night, the half-moon staring at her through the canopy stars winking in and out as the breeze played over the branches. Shivering, her clothes and costume both gone in the transformation, she reached into her bag for her phone. Instead, she came across the brown paper bag the strange man had given her. Inside it was a small oblong stone, one end sloping into a wide spike. The oblong was black, 
with runic letters that glowed a soft silver in the moonlight. And as she held it in her hand, a vision shot across her eyes. And city in ruins, wind blows through empty windows, stone turns to dust, and time wears the city to nothing. And left in the middle, untouched, the oblong she holds, she feels its age and its malevolence. It wanted her to kill before, but it is patient. It can wait. Camilla hurriedly stuffed the oblong back into the bag and shoved it deep into her backpack. This time she came out with her phone and called home. Camilla, oh my baby, you're safe. Where are you? Are you hurt? I called the police. School said, well, it, it doesn't matter. Can I get you? I don't know where I am, Mom. Samila croaked, tears filling her eyes. All right, love. Activate your GPS. I'll ping it and we'll figure it out. Samila mumbled acceptance and did as requested. Within a couple of hours, she was home safe, wrapped in a blanket while Fatima thanked the police for their time. When Samila was warm and full of food, Fatima took her hand and squeezed it gently. Can you tell me what happened, Mom? Don't think I'm nuts, Mom. Samela began to cry again. Maybe so, but I'll still believe you. You're my daughter, and I love you, and nothing can be worse than only hearing half-assed accounts from transphobic assholes. I'm sure I don't need to repeat the crap they're saying. Fatima's eyes flashed angrily as she spoke, but her tone remained gentle. Tell me, lovely one, and we'll figure it out, whatever it is, together. Samila nodded and stumbled through her story, not daring to look up until she was done. When finally they both sat in silence, she turned up her eyes to find her mum looking back at her with tenderness. Oh, my love. I'm so sorry. Fatima pulled her daughter in close. I'm so sorry. I thought you'd escape it. I thought being trans would confuse it. I don't know. Maybe I just hoped real hard and tried to believe it a passerby. I'm so sorry. Samila pulled away and stared at her mother. She'd never heard her ramble before, and the haunted look suddenly in her mother's eyes. Shocked her to the core. Mom? What? Fatima sighed and settled herself more comfortably on the sofa. The family curse, my love. It's your turn. Samila stared, wide-eyed, at her mother. Like Grandma used to talk about. Curses and, and wishes and the man that'd give you the... Oh, shit. Mom, shit. Mom! Fatima wrapped her arms around her panicking daughter, holding her still. It's okay, my lovely. I let you believe they were just tales. I should have told you. I should have told you. I'm so sorry. It only hits the women in the family, so you were safe. And when you came out, I thought maybe it had come for you, but I prayed that maybe it'd still be confused. So I was scared, and I didn't want you to be hurt. 
And now it's got you, my beautiful daughter. I'm so sorry. What was your curse, Mom? Samila asked tentatively. Fatima smiled softly. I would die young. I struggled a lot with depression when I was younger. I still do, but now I can get help. Then, especially with your grandma and granda, I was barely allowed to look sad, much less explain how I felt. Samila nodded. She'd experienced grandma's need to make everyone buck up and get over whatever they were feeling. It was why she wasn't able to come out, even to herself, until after grandma died. As much as Samila had loved her grandma, she understood that those feelings had to stay inside for a while. Fatima continued. There was this empty void, this desperate hope that I wouldn't wake up. When I was your age, I met someone who gave me the stone and told me it'd grant one wish, but that the wish wouldn't be free. I held it in my hands and begged it to end my life. It did, or at least it ended the life I had. The next day, your granddaughter was hit by that truck. Mom! Samila gasped. Fatima stopped to wipe her eyes and blow her nose. My life as I knew it ended. Right enough. No more big house. No more fancy clothes. Suddenly we were poor. All my clothes had holes in, and so did the roof of the shithole we lived in. Grandma Ness starved herself so I'd be able to live and keep going to school, then college, then university. But from the day your grandma died, my depression was gone. Served the purpose it had to lead me to the curse, I guess. Mila took her mum's hands. So maybe this is it then. I'm a werewolf. I can't believe I'm saying that seriously, but okay, if that's the worst of it. I doubt it is. Fatima shook her head. Well, if I'd give anything to believe this was it, but then how do we get rid of the curse? Surely someone's tried that. Fatima's eyes lit up. There's one story your grandma used to tell where someone tried and failed, but not because it didn't work, because they didn't finish before whatever happened happened to them. Now I have to try and remember. Samila sat up straight. Maybe it's in her diaries. Fatima smiled. Then you just volunteered for a trip up to the loft. And just so we're clear, no school until we sort this out one way or another. You can do schoolwork at home. It took two days of searching through cramped, slanted script, but eventually the correct portion of the lifelong diaries were found. Mom, look here, I found something. Samila passed over the battered diary. It says that guy cursed the family on his deathbed. Look, and he'll return it from death to present a curse to every woman in every generation. Sashima read the entry, brow growing more furrowed. Looks like someone in the family properly screwed him over. We bought out a loan from the bank, took his land when he failed a single payment. Wife killed herself after the twin babies slowly starved, and he got tuberculosis while living in a slum. Cursed as he died. We had a total 
and complete the soul of an ancestor, didn't we? It doesn't mean we should still be paying, though. Of course not, Fatima agreed. You can see why he did it, and it doesn't always allow for considering long-term consequences. So what do we do? Samila asked. Does Grandma say? She seems to think she knows. She says the reason the last attempt failed was because the curse had already completed. That's why I couldn't break it, because by the time we realised it was too late. Grandma never told me about hers, but I assume she had the same problem. So, because mine isn't finished yet, it can be broken. Before it hibernates again, right? And she left us instructions too, with lots of warnings. This is dangerous, love. Mom, I'm a werewolf. And I'm trans. Alright, smart mouth. We have some things to get tonight. Then we can do this tomorrow. Three. The next afternoon, with the autumn sun casting beams of dusty light through the window onto the dining room table, the two women set out a flimsy plastic Ouija board, the brown paper bag containing the black stone, a container of table salt, some sage, and a bottle of river water. Based on the instructions in the diary, there were two options. Convince the spirit of the original cursor to lift the curse or bind and destroy the object. Fatima and Samila had decided to be prepared for both. The previous night had passed slowly for mother and daughter, sleeping side by side in the master bedroom, both turning in thin, uneasy sleep. Fatima saw her dad run over by the truck over and over again, her wish echoing in her ears. Samila saw herself transform into the werewolf again, only this time without the restraint, killing her mother. Fatima had set the alarm late, but both rose with the sun, checking and rechecking their preparations, waiting for the mid-afternoon sun to appear, hoping it would somehow help to have the light on their side. Even though the curtains would be closed at that point, in the event their tormentor made an appearance. When the light hit the Ouija board, Fatima closed the curtains, and they sat across from each other at the narrow table, each placing a finger on the cream-coloured plastic planchette with a circle of clear plastic at the pointed end to show the letter or number being pointed to. Feeling foolish, Samili cleared her throat and spoke. Um, we would like to speak to Lavik Batwal, who cursed my family generations ago. You came out from death like you said, and you activated my curse, and we want to talk to you. As Samila spoke, and for long moments afterwards, they both concentrated on seeking the man responsible, both feeling equally ridiculous and apprehensive. Just as Samila was about to try again, a soft wind rushed through the room, and opening her eyes, she saw a figure, dim even in the darkened room. 
He stood in the centre of the table, though not above it. His waist sprouted from the surface as he looked at her disdainfully. You're laughing, Fatima asked, and the figure spun around to face her. His movement was odd. The centre of his bulk turned, but the rest floated around slowly as if he were barely held together. He bared his teeth at Fatima and said nothing. It's been generations, Lavik, and every woman down this line has suffered. But at least my daughter and any who follow. We have nothing to do with what happened to you. You carry their blood. It is enough. Lavik pissed as the table began to shake, rattling everything on it. He spoke an old regional dialect of Eastern Punjabi, but this was overset by an echo of English, ensuring they understood him. He turned back to Samila, floating closer to her. Suffer your fate, and leave me to my own. We'll break the curse if you don't lift it, Samila told him. Lavik growled at her, raising his hands. The objects on the table rose into the air and slammed down breaking everything but the cursed stone. The runes on the stone glowed silver, then blue, then red, and Lavik's eyes matched the change. My children, my wife, dead because of your ancestors' greed. Vengeance is forever. He lashed out at Samila, leaving a trail of silvery white as his nails passed through her upper arm. Suffer, tell your mother and suffer. Samila cried out at the blast of cold, feeling her arm begin to bleed. It stiffened as a bolt of pain shot through her entire body, and something began to push out from within. Her nails lengthened, her face grew, and tiny, painful pinpricks covered her body again as her fur began to grow her body cracking and changing. You will kill your mother, child, and I will watch. Perhaps then I'll remove the curse. He laughed, dancing to and fro inside the table as Samila changed. Fatima lunged across the table, ignoring the rush of freezing cold as she passed through Lavik and grasped the glowing stone. She gasped, as the red runes burned into her hand and slammed it into the pile of salt from the broken container, then, as it began to cool, into the river water. The bundle of sage burst into flame all by itself, and Fatima shoved the object, still in her hand, into the flame. Not my butter! Fatima screamed as her hand blistered further, patches turning black in the fire, which fled blue as the stone hit it. Lavik screamed as his cursed stone reversed its glow from red back to blue, then to silver, before dying down entirely. Samila, still changing, leapt forwards, claws sinking into Lavik's incorporeal back. He screamed, feeling the pain of the claws even as he saw Fatima raise his cursed stone into the air and bring it down on the edge of the table. 
bleeding silvery-white essence. Lavic bellowed as a bright flash signaled the shattering of the stone, the breaking of the curse. He turned on Samila, now crouched on the table, salivating and glaring at him through feral yellow eyes. She raised a threatening set of claws, stopping him in his tracks. You lifted the curse. Good for you. They hope you choke on your fur. He snarled at Samila before fading away. Fatima blinked away the bright lights caused by the breaking of the stone from her eyes and saw her daughter, now a giant wolf, on the table, one wicked-looking paw raised as if to strike. The screaming pain from her hands seemed to fade down a long tunnel as she waited to see what Samilla would do. Seeing the ghost disappear, Samilla blinked a few times and focused on her mum, feeling the waves of patience, but no fear coming from her. She lowered her paw and shook her shaggily furred head, then curled up on the table, one eye peering out from above her paws. Fatima nodded. My girl, she said softly and stroked the furry head with her uninjured hand. I need to fix my hand up a bit and go to the hospital. It's done in pretty well. But you're worth every second of pain, my lovely one. And you'll be fine here, now the curse is broken. You might have to keep this bit of it, but at least the rest won't happen. And that's all right. We can deal with this together. Samila nuzzled a hand, stroking her head, agreeing the only way she could think of. Somehow, some way, she would learn to deal with this. Knowing her mum would literally put her hand into the fire to ensure she would be safe and others safe from her meant everything. Latimo kissed her daughter on her furry head and left her to sleep away her wolf form. Can't stand the werewolves. It would be a challenge, but one she knew they would be equal to. Together. Thanks so much for listening. That was Werewolf Wishes, written, read, and edited by Lee Hume. If you are LGBTQIA2S+, and you'd like to submit a story for us, we would love to hear from you. Please check the show notes for a link to do that. Also in the show notes, find info on the music and sound effects, and where else you can find us. We love visitors, so do come and say hi. The show is produced by Tracy Clifton, Lexi Jones, and Lee Hume. Intro and outro read by America Young. This has been a Team Cuddles production. <laughs>